we could have the screen on Mark as well, that would be brilliant. And Okay. Well, our theme today is good and bad, take it or leave it. But I I couldn't resist adding a third possibility. (laughs) And for those of you familiar with this film, it's a classic uh, Clint Eastwood spaghetti western called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Now, I'm not sure how I'm going to work the ugly into this talk, but there's plenty of scope for the good and the bad. And in our reading that Chris brought us, um, it's covered really five parables. And these parables are designed to give a clearer picture to the crowd and to the disciples, and of course to us now, as readers of scripture, of what the kingdom of heaven is like, one of the great themes of Matthew's gospel. Um, Donovan talked about one of these last week, so I might be um, going over some of his material, but it's, it's always good just to have a recap and a reminder. That's the teacher in me, it must, must be. So what are parables, and why did Jesus use them? Well, they were stories. And stories operate on different levels. They operate on a a superficial level. Everyone likes to hear a story. And as we grow up as children, we like to sit around and listen to stories. We don't necessarily get them, but we just enjoy them. We enjoy hearing them and letting them wash over us. So parables work on that superficial level. But they also work on a deeper level. For those who want to dig a little bit deeper into the truths, into the heart of what Jesus is trying to say. The word parable comes from the Greek parabole, which means a placing beside. So in other words, parables are comparisons and illustrations. Those of you at school age or remember doing similes in school, they're introduced as similes. The kingdom of heaven is like. And even the disciples asked Jesus why he used them. Going back to um, last week's uh, verses, chapter 13, verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in, people in parables? And Jesus answers, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. And later in verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. And in the reading Chris just brought us, Matthew also points to Psalm uh, 78, verse 2, to explain that By speaking in parables, Jesus is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. And in fact, Matthew's Gospel has got more references to the Old Testament 
than any other gospel. Remember, he's primarily uh, out to reach Jews who are steeped in Old Testament uh, literature. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So parables were used um, because they were easy to remember, and they used familiar scenes and familiar themes for uh, his listeners. Um, Scenes that were more familiar to the audience of the day than they are perhaps to us today. For example, with treasures, we we, we can put our treasures in a bank. Um, uh, We can hold accounts. In those days, you had to dig a hole in the ground. So we, we don't perhaps fully, fully grasp what it would have meant to the audience of the day. But they also contained these hidden me- meanings or messages which needed spiritual revelation or, or wisdom to understand and further teaching as well. But parables can be quite difficult. Fear not, we're in good, we're in good company. The disciples needed uh, explanation and further instructions at times. Uh, one further piece of background information which some of the commentaries had, which is, uh, I found quite interesting, is that Jesus spoke in parables to avoid uh, being challenged and trapped by his enemies. And in fact, in a way, by speaking in parallel parables, it delayed his um, arrest. Because parables did not contain direct statements against his enemies. Very cleverly worded. There was nothing actually in them for his enemies to use against Jesus. So that's a bit of background. Let's have a look at our first parable, the parable of the weeds, sometimes known more traditionally as the wheat and the tares. This parable, like the parable of the sower, which Donovan looked at last week, is being delivered to crowds from a boat by the Sea of Galilee. And it's quite a hard-hitting parable. John uh, Smith this morning said he was trying to find a video that was um, less kind of hard-hitting when he showed that clip of, of the story. Because it's presented as a parable in very black and white terms. As I was writing this, I was reminded of Donovan's talk a few months ago, uh, where he referred to the film Night and Day, um, an action comedy with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz is about to die unless unless she actually goes alongside with Tom Cruise, and he's going to be... the protector, the great protector for her. And do you remember, he says, with me? With me, you've got this much chance of survival. Without me. With me. Without me. I think Jesus is saying something similar in this parable. Are you for me? Or against me? Do you want to live with truth in your heart? Or are you going to open your heart to evil? 
Are you going to follow the teachings of the Son of Man? Or are you going to follow the teachings of the devil? Are you preparing for heaven? Or are you preparing for hell? Stark choice. One commentator puts it like this. Jesus Christ holds the unfashionable narrow opinion that a man must either be his friend or his enemy. We are too much inclined to weaken the strong line of demarcation and to think that most men are neither black nor white, but grey. And we're talking way more than 50 shades. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a lot of compromise in Jesus' teaching. But that's good, because it's good to know where we stand. And it's also good to know that it's Jesus who will do the judging at the end of the age. It's a relief, isn't it? It's not down to us. He will do that. We, our part, is simply to be trusting and to be obedient and to nurture what Jesus has planted in us like the good seed falling on good ground last week. That's our job, to nurture that seed and bring it to maturity. The parable of the weeds is concerned with the mixture of good and bad in this world. But of course the church is not immune from a mix of good and bad. Evil is sown side by side with truth. It's another quote from one of the commentaries I looked at. I think it's McLaren said this. Every truth has its counterfeit. Neither institutions, nor principles, nor movements, nor individuals bear unmingled crops of good. So when you get the wheat, you're always going to get the weeds. How do we start off? Well, if you think about it, we all start off bad. We all start off like weeds. We only achieve righteousness because Jesus gives us that gift. You're a good, good father, as we were singing earlier. I love a bit of theology in a talk. And this is my, one of my favorite bits of theology coming up. The phrase, imputed righteousness. To impute something means to ascribe it or attribute it to someone or something. Jesus imputes, ascribes righteousness to us so that it is treated as ours through faith. And Paul in Galatians writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, 
but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was a man who knew what it meant to live in righteousness. He fully understood imputed righteousness. And it's driven by God's grace. We don't deserve it, but we can enter into it. In royal robes, I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. A long time ago, in a garden, we gave up our rights to righteousness through sin. We gave up that right. But Jesus has restored that right. He was blameless, the unblemished lamb. And just as righteousness is now imputed to us as believers, so sin, our sin, is imputed, ascribed to Jesus. I didn't know that was one of the songs we were going to sing earlier on. At the cross I bow my knees where your blood was shed for me. There's no greater love than this. Jesus takes our sin. Did Jesus deserve our sin? No. No way. Did Jesus want to take our sin? Father, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. He knew there was no other way than to follow a painful death so that, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled, so that we could know Jesus in the here and now and also forever, to enjoy him eternally in glory too. Verse 43 of Matthew then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Imputed righteousness. I mentioned earlier that some parables are hard to understand. This one had to be explained to the disciples. Um, it was delivered, remember, from a boat on the, by the Sea of Galilee, but it was explained indoors a little later on. And it's perhaps significant that Jesus doesn't explain the meaning straight away. Just like with the parable of the sower, the explanation is given a little later on, as if we need time for the truth to, to embed, to, to sink in. And in between the time that Jesus tells the parable to the crowds and explains it to his disciples, he teaches two more parables, those of the mustard seed and the yeast. 
The parable of the uh, mustard seed is not meant as a botanical um, kind of treatise. The seed might not have been the smallest seed, and there are different types of mustard plant, certainly. The, the plant that we associate with mustard, shall I get posh here, Synapsis nigra, anybody wants to check that one out, um, is not the mustard seed plant that Jesus is referring to here. Botanists have actually suggested that the one Jesus is referring to is Salvadora persica. So if you'd like to check that one out later, please let me know if that's correct. But the, the key idea of the mustard is not exactly what type of plant it was, but it's a picture of a growing church, of the, of the worldwide church of God. And the sower, again, is the son of man, but the plant, as I say, is the church, the worldwide church. And it starts from very small beginnings, but grows into something great, offering refuge and protection and, and sanctuary so that even the birds of the air can uh, find shelter in the branches. If the parable of the mustard um, is about the numerical growth of the church and the external growth of the church, then the parable of the yeast is about the internal growth of the church, of the individual members and of the body. This is about Jesus doing a transforming work within us. Again, one of the songs we sang had, had that theme, didn't it, about Jesus changing us um, from one, one step at a time, obviously, but from one degree of glory to another. Jesus doing a transforming work within the body. And yeast, just a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven in the spoon there, mixed in with a dough can influence and affect the whole lot. Again, um, one of the commentators wrote this that I, when I was preparing this. The bit of leaven is plunged into the heart of the mass. We Christians are not doing our duty, nor are we using our capacities, unless we fling ourselves frankly and energetically into all the currents of the national life, commercial, political, municipal, intellectual, and make our influence felt in them all. That is the job of the people of faith in the world. Another story to illustrate this, and I got this from Matt Woodcock's um, diary book called Becoming Reverend. And he refers to a story uh, about the Christian activist Tony Campolo. Quite a few of you will have heard of him. Tony Campolo had been increasingly disturbed about a number of prostitutes that were working near his church. So one night he decided to act. He gathered together about six of the women and paid for their time for a whole evening. They ate pizzas, watched films, and generally put the world to rights. The next day, Tony stood up in front of his church and addressed his church and said, I had a brilliant time with six prostitutes last night. 
The mustard seed reminds us of the numerical growth of the church, the yeast of our inner growth and influence. The last two parables I want to touch on are the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. And these are told to the disciples again directly and challenge them, and therefore us, to be 100% committed to God's work. Does anybody recognize this image? The Staffordshire Hoard, yeah. These were treasures found in a field, a farmer's field, not that far away from here, really, uh, a few years ago. They are thought to be worth approximately 3.3 million pounds. The person who discovered this hoard shared a huge payout with the farmer. I've read actually uh, since that those events, I think more pieces were found, and the farmer and the prospector. <laughs> a very efficient gold prospector, have fallen out. They've fallen out. You see, no amount of material wealth is going to bring us happiness. Would you get out of bed for three million pounds? God himself is the source of our riches. I like this quote. It's, it's a bit long-winded, but um, after James gave us his quotes, uh, I think it was uh, about the, the nail, a nail that stands up, gets banged on the head a few weeks ago. Um, I thought, I'm going to come out with a quote as well. But we can't satisfy, our, satisfy can we, our greed, our kind of lust for material things. The source of our riches is God himself. He's the only one that is going to, to satisfy. And like the treasure and the pearl, it's worth giving up everything for. So, a quick summary. This morning, let's celebrate that Jesus has revealed truths to us today and to his disciples then but the parables reveal those truths let's celebrate that fact let's celebrate that we like wheat can grow strong and produce a bountiful harvest because of his righteousness that he imputes that he ascribes to us not that we deserve it but he has made us deserving. Let's celebrate the growth of God's church, not just here, but worldwide. From a very small group of Jesus and some interesting characters to 2,000 years ago that we're now part of the largest social movement in history. Let's celebrate the yeast, the Holy Spirit working through us, transforming us 
and making us a positive influence on people around us in the workplace and at home and families and friends. And let's celebrate the riches and treasures that God has made available to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.